The Ambitious Mum Podcast. Different women, different lives, different ambitions. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and every week I'll be having honest conversations about ambition. So I thought, you know, I've just got to make a change, but by that point I was earning a lot of money. You get trapped by the fact that you're then earning quite well. Motherhood. I then had my son when I was 28, and yeah, I just didn't ever see him, so. And everything in between. We'll explore how their ambitions and careers have evolved while being a parent, and I'll be digging deep, acknowledging the taboos, the sacrifices, and the sheer grit and perseverance working mums don't talk about. We just want to feel confident. We want to be able to feel relaxed. We want to be able to understand where we're going and what we want to do. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Ambitious Mum podcast and today's episode is with the lady that calls herself the confidence coach on Instagram. Her name is Fenella Fine, she is an author, she's a hypnotherapist and she is an accredited executive coach and she comes from um, a really interesting background but what her main purpose now in helping women and men in executive coaching in really high up positions is confidence. And you'd think that people who are on sort of six-figure salaries working in the city have these amazing experience and qualifications that they would be seeping with confidence. But actually, it's very much the opposite sometimes. And Fenella comes in and really kind of teaches the basics of going back to finding our confidence and recognising where uh, we're lacking it and maybe where that's come from, from old beliefs. I really enjoy talking to Fenella because it was just so eye-opening to realise that people who you would probably, you know, put on a bit of a pedestal and think they are oozing with all this kind of self-worth and a self-esteem, that actually they have rock-bottom confidence. So that is what she does. She's on Instagram. She shares fantastic videos and little snippets and it all comes, you know, on the basis of science. She tells me a lot about her hypnotherapy and how that helps her. And she is an author. She's written a book called The Step Up Club, which is aimed at, I think, at women of really getting up there, getting out and really stepping into that confidence that you think that you don't have, but actually is there deep rooted inside. So here is my conversation with Fenella. As always, please join in the conversation. I'll be talking about it over on the Facebook group, the Ambitious Mums Wellbeing Chat, always on Instagram. So let me know, let me know how this episode has impacted you. And, um, you know, message Fenella as well on Instagram because she is, she has really got a lot of fantastic resources on there. So here's the episode. Hope you enjoy it. So hi, Fenella. Thank you so much for joining me on the Ambitious Mum podcast. I'm really excited to have you here because I feel like we've got lots to talk about. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here. So Fenella is a psychotherapist, but she's also an executive coach. Um, she's an author. She's launched businesses and she works in, I would say you work in a corporate setting, but you also work with individuals as well. And Would your main umbrella of your business, your work, be about empowering and inspiring confidence and helping people become better versions of themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been practicing this for quite a long time. I had a career in the city before I was a lawyer and a banker. But for the last 12 years, I've been doing this. And what I've 
noticed amongst my many, many clients is that people as a rule, even if they're very senior, even if they look very successful, don't really feel confident um, enough to do the things that they want to do. Most most people struggle with confidence, I've noticed. People also struggle with feeling calm and being able to kind of relax and take things as they come. And that's really related to confidence um, and also really struggle to understand their purpose or what they want to do with their lives. And again, when you don't really know what you want to do, that again affects your confidence. So I, I think just so many of the difficulties that that we face as you know it's not just women but but particularly as women are 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 about confidence wow so you just sort of dropped into the conversation there that you were a um, lawyer a banker and now a psychotherapist and an executive coach I mean that's a serious resume going on there first of all you've got kids and when did you make that transition of being a lawyer first then a banker and then you and then what made you decide that you you wanted to change careers yeah, so I think I really, really get people who are, are, are dissatisfied with their career, feel that it doesn't kind of work for them or feel this sort of deep sense of, you know, I made the wrong choices and, and you know, this is just terrible and I can't get out of this because I've been there. And I think that's one of the reasons that that I'm successful in my coaching. Not that you not that you need to have had the same experiences as your clients, but I have had the same experiences as many of my clients and therefore can understand what they're going through. I made the decision to go into law very, very lightly when I was at university because at the year that I graduated, there weren't a lot of other corporate jobs. There was a lot of family pressure for me to go into a corporate job. I actually had done all my work experience in fashion magazines and that was kind of what I was more interested in. Um, But that just wasn't going to be acceptable. So I thought, oh, you know what? A few of my parents' friends are lawyers. I kind of know what that is. I I really like Ali McBeal. She's quite cool. (laughs) I I think I'll do that. Um, And then there was one law firm particularly. It's quite a well-known law firm and they didn't have an application form. They only had a covering letter. And I thought, well, that'll be easy to write. I'll just write one those and I did and they took me and then you get another two years of studying funded that seemed quite good so I wouldn't have to get a job so you know I really was not a thoughtful career choice process it was very much like oh this just seems easy so I'll just do it unfortunately it was not like being an Ali McBeal at all and I found it really difficult I found the long hours stress culture you know a huge amount of pressure very little sleep um, some people cope with that. I personally didn't work for me. I have quite strong boundaries around my energy and my time. I also just found the detail of the work quite didn't suit my personality. And I now spend a lot of time with clients thinking about personality fit and preferences and, and career choice if that's if, if they're looking at career change. Um, so I didn't enjoy it. I tried another law firm. I didn't enjoy that either. So I thought, you know, I've just got to make a change. But by that point, I was earning a lot of money. You get trapped by the fact that you're then earning quite well and you don't want to go down. And I felt I'm in my 20s, near mid-20s now, and I'm so old and I can't possibly go back to the beginning again because, you know, it would be terrible in my mid-20s. So I looked around, got offered a few jobs. It was kind of a scattergun approach to what would pay me, you know, still well, but maybe be different. And I ended up taking a job at JP Morgan as a European equities fund manager. So investing people's, like the, the money you put in your ISA, basically picking what stocks to buy with that money. Super interesting job, much more boundaried in terms of your time, but still you need to be there very early in the morning and you need to be there after the market closes. And I then had my son when I was 28 and 
yeah, I just didn't ever see him. So I decided that, that, you know, for me, that was a boundary that I was not willing to compromise on. So I left, had another baby, found being at home really, really difficult, um, really wanted something else, especially because nobody I knew had a baby. So I was alone a lot with two babies, two very small children. So I went to see a coach because I didn't know what to do. And this, and I'd never really heard of coaching. Someone recommended it, went to see this coach and she was sort of, you know, making kind of career suggestions like you could go and do. And, I, and I'd noticed when I was at JP Morgan that I was always much more interested in the human side of the investments I was making. So I would meet the CEO of Vodafone and he'd be talking about, you know, we, it was a very big fund. So we would meet kind of quite incredible people and I would be sitting there and he'd be telling me about his projections for next year and, you know, what technology they were coming out with. And I was thinking, well, I just want to ask about what it's like being the CEO of Vodafone and how did he become the CEO of Vodafone? So it, I was always much more about the human aspect. And she was making suggestions, this coach, like, you know, you could go into diversity in a law firm. I was really quite obsessed with how difficult it had been for me when I'd been pregnant and on maternity. And then I suddenly had this epiphany and I thought, no, I'm just going to do what you do. What you do is amazing. And caters to this interest in the human side. I've always been the person my friends talk to about problems and about careers. I've changed careers, so I know how to do it. Um, and so I decided to qualify as a coach. Um, did a master's in uh, organizational behavior, which is occupational psychology um, for people who don't have a psychology degree um, with counseling and and started working. I was employed by a company um, who, co who coached in law firms and banks. So that was quite lucky. Um, and just went from there. And, and, and so, so, so it's my third career, uh, but I've been doing it for about 12 years now. Wow, what an amazing story. And you made it sound so easy, like you dropped in Oxford and Masters and all these incredible, you know, companies. But if you are in a position, and I have to say, I really resonate with what you, you said, you know, we go from you know, from school to university, and we don't really give much thought. And there's a lot of societal pressure, parents, what we've seen in our own communities. And also on the flip side, like if you've never seen success where you've grown up, then it's really hard to go there to see yourself being successful. And it should be normalised a lot more now that we can have lots of different incarnations that we don't have to, just because we've gone to university for three or four years, it doesn't mean to say that that's what we've got to do until we retire. And I think things are changing a little bit. That stigma is ebbing away. And we are given opportunities now, especially as women, because, you know, we choose to maybe have children stay at home for a few years. And then we go back to the career that we, we had, but we're not the same person that we were even. And we, and we suddenly think there's something wrong with us. And we look like, oh, gosh, I'm, you know, messed up. I can't do anything. And then that's where the confidence and I know, I had this 100%. I stayed at home for a while when I'd had my fourth child and I was in PR and I thought, I just can't go back there. I can't go back to PR, even though I loved so many elements of it and still love so many elements of it, that the pressure just, I couldn't deal with it with anxiety, with wanting to be at home with my kids. I was constantly pulled and my values were just all over the place. And I was thought, what am I going to do? And I actually felt like a failure. I felt like there was something wrong with me that needed fixing because I didn't want to go back to PR, but I didn't know what I wanted to do from that. And, and to be honest, I'm still kind of going down a few different avenues. And I love writing. I love the podcast. I love coaching. I love the, the EFT I do. So 
sometimes I feel like it's a bit of a scattergun approach and then I berate myself for that. But then I kind of think, well, I'm quite, I'm multi-passionate, which is okay. But my point of this very long rambling (laughs) monologue is how important are values? And I know you mentioned that, um, you know, you wanted to be at home with your kids, but you didn't enjoy that. But obviously there was a tugging there and the human side of wanting to connect with people was very sort of prevalent for you. Why do we not get taught values in school? Why is this something that only when you go and see a coach, just suddenly go, oh, okay, now I need to do like a values exercise. If someone isn't aware of how important values are, can you explain and maybe give someone like a practical um, exercise that they can do to hone in on their own values if they're struggling? Yeah, so I think what you're talking about when you're saying, you know, I still criticize myself internally for having all of these different interests is very directly related to values. And one of the biggest mindset shifts that we can make is to acknowledge what our values are and that some of the behaviors that we criticize in ourselves may be because the values that we hold are different to the values that we, for example, have been brought up with. And this operates the other way around, right? So I've got a son who's just about to become a teenager and he doesn't always honor all my values. And that's really difficult because it's really hard to accept that your values might not be somebody else's values. Um, Equally, it's really hard to accept that your values are different to the values you've been brought up with. So you may have been brought up with a value of sticking to things or, you know, see things out even if they're tough, for example, or, you know, deep focus on one thing or external success via a a, ne- a job title that, that people can recognize, for example. Whereas actually, one of your values that is in direct contradiction with that value being brought up with is about variety. And if your value is variety, then actually what you're doing by doing lots of different things, is you're honoring your variety. It's not that you haven't chosen, it's that you've chosen to honor a value that is really important to you. Yeah, um, very so, much so. Uh, And that's why I think values are so important, because actually what they can do is they can free us from a lot of that self-criticism that is there because we're holding on to these things that we've been taught or that we've learned, um, but don't maybe don't even realize. So so what you know, we're talking about values that, you know, not everybody even knows what value is. I remember when I first started doing Step Up, my editor, when I was writing the book, was like, well, you know, don't use the word values because it sounds like very career coachy and it's not very cool. And And I was like, well, you know, you can call them whatever you want. You can call them, you know, things to live by. I mean, you can call them anything. But the fact is, is they're not a corporate career coachy thing. They're just a facet of our human existence. And you need to talk about them because because people don't. You're right. It's not something that I do talk to my children about values all the time. And we have a set of agreed family values that my teenager does not always adhere to. (laughs) Um, But we have agreed them in theory. And so I think, you know, what you want to do when you're looking at your values is you want to look at what feels really important to you. Now, you can do that by an exercise. So you could do, for example, enjoyment stories where you write down eight stories of times when you felt, you know, really, really um, happy that you were really enjoying things that felt things felt natural and right. You can write write down what was going on for you there you can write down who else was there where were you what were you achieving what were you doing um and then you can pick out threads sometimes it's really hard to pick out your own threads um usually when you're listening to somebody's stories it's very easy to pick out threads you can also ask yourself lots of different values-based questions like uh, if i was um going to put a billboard you know on the motorway what would that billboard say or if I was going you know if the house was burning down and I 
all my loved ones and my pets are safe and my mobile phone is safe what would I you know what are three things I would save what does that say about me I mean there, there are loads of these exercises you can do to try to generate values but actually if you really think about it you probably don't need them if you really think about what is really important to you and when people cross those lines that you feel um very upset or um or or that something just feels strange then you can probably work out what your values are so the, yeah that's so powerful because I also think that values give you permission to be the person that you want to be and you know when you said to me then that one of my values is variety I've not really used that word before normally it's kind of like freedom creativity you know those kind of words but variety yeah as soon as you said that I was like yes you know I've got ADHD and so variety for me is like super important because I have to have lots of things going lots of plates spinning and even though it kind of sometimes makes me feel a bit overwhelmed to know that I have variety it keeps the creative juices flowing for me so you know even just hearing that was really powerful because it gave me permission to know that it's okay and I think as women especially we we don't often give ourselves permission and we always think that we should be doing something else or we should be being someone else and how does that come into um where confidence and self-belief and where all this sort of the self-doubt creeps in when it's almost like we're in resistance with ourselves how do we just drop all of that and just be okay with who we are and building the layers to create this confidence so look, the word should is the most important bit there. And we know that every single successful modern therapy basically is trying to get you to do the same thing. And they do it in different ways, but they, they're all trying to get you to do the same thing. And what they're trying to get you to do is move away from should towards could. So for example, instead of I should be doing one career really, really well, and that's all I should be doing, you could move to I might have thought in the past that it was the right thing for me to do one career, but actually I can get comfortable with the fact that I do lots of different things. Or I should be trying to get this promotion. Well, you know, and I must get this promotion otherwise. And then there's always a continuation of that, right? It's not just I should, or I must, or I have to, it's I must, otherwise something terrible, awful, horrible is going to happen to me. I must Uh, stand on this stage and do the perfect presentation and everybody must clap and everybody must think I'm amazing and I must not trip over my words or make a mistake or forget anything. That's not sitting alone. It's got a continuation. Otherwise, everybody will think I'm an idiot. Everybody will laugh at me. I'll lose my job. What we want to be moving to is I'd like to do this as well as I can. It's much more flexible. I'd like to do this as well as I can. But if I don't, that's okay. I can cope with it. I might be upset that's fine it's fine to have negative emotions but I can cope and that so that's what I'm always trying to move my clients from or people who read my Instagram or I'm actually I've just started a new book and and it's kind of that it's 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 about just ugh, just let go yeah. you know let go of the must let go of the shoulds be more flexible be more relaxed um easy to say actually very difficult to do unless you know how but once you know how can can be also not that hard to do you know when you said let go your body physically just went oh and I felt it as well like it's just even those words it's just like 
oh, you know, and, and this feeling of needing to be in control of everything in our lives is exhausting and it's draining and it creates like huge amounts of burnout and um, mental health issues, I think, because we put so much inner pressure on ourselves. Perhaps that's projected onto our children. That's come from our parents. I'm really fascinated by the notion of surrender. And it kind of feels a bit like a bit passive, like, oh, let's just sit back and just wait for things to happen to us. But actually, if we're sort of moving into this inspired action and we are kind of moving from a place of where our values are are being met and we are feeling like this is the right path, sometimes knowing that we can let go and surrendering a little bit to to maybe what the outcome might be and not having to control the outcome is such a place of I don't know grace to be in it it just feels and and it's something I've been trying to practice over the years because I felt constantly like I was in this like my body was tense I was just constantly trying to control everything and everyone and making sure my kids were here and my husband was there and I was doing this and house was okay and it was just like oh my god I can't live like this you know I've seen many people live like that to the dying day and it's just not what I want And I do feel like there is kind of like a bit of um, a movement now towards recognising that it's okay. It's okay to change and evolve and be and sit back, relax, all these words that perhaps we weren't used to. Yeah, I think it's not that it's, it's not really that it's okay, it's that it's essential. So this isn't about like surrendering to fate or, you know, I'm not at all, um, I'm not, I, you know, I, I'm religious, but I'm not at all um, like mystical. I everything I do in my practice is is evidence based. I wouldn't do anything that wasn't evidence based. But, yeah, you know, well evidence based, and we absolutely one hundred percent know that flexibility, mental flexibility, is one of the drivers of feeling content not happiness because we shouldn't be aiming for happiness yeah. that's a whole other conversation but um <laughs> but of contentment when you are very rigid when you are trying to control things when you are trying to control your emotions uh, you will not feel as good as if you allow yourself this more flexible mindset and part of that is physical and i deliberately did that shoulder drop and the reason is because because you know, and, and a, you know, a lot of psychologists, coaches, uh, psychotherapists you go to would do this kind of work as well. Physical relaxation is a really, really important part of my practice when we're thinking about things like confidence. Again, you have to define what, conf- you know, what does confidence even mean? Because people will come to me saying, oh, you know, I've got no confidence. And actually, that might mean quite a few different things. It might mean some really negative core beliefs about themselves. It might mean social anxiety. So it can mean lots of different things. But essentially, when you're feeling anxious and worried about something, you're feeling self conscious, your body's going to tense up. And so if you are able to relax your body, then your mind is going to find it a lot easier to relax. Likewise, if you relax your mind, then your body is going to find it easier to relax. So it's this iterative circle. And, and I think, you know, if you want to feel better, you might as well hit it from all from all places. And, and the physical one is the one we don't always think about, especially people in professional jobs. They tend to be very cerebral and very much yeah. up in their head and actually would think, my corporate clients they would think well what's she making you just close my eyes what's she talking about but actually once you experience relaxation what you'll realize is that you actually have been holding tension in your body all the time and you didn't even realize and when you let it go you feel immediately better and then you're much freer to start working on your thoughts as well 
So that relates to, so I work with um, EFT tapping and straight away, you know, someone comes to me and says to me, um, I feel this and this is what's really bothering me. And straight away we say, where do you feel it in your body? Where can you feel it? Can you describe it? Can you, is it a colour? Is it a blob? Is it um, moving? And the minute we ask them to, exactly what you say, to move out this sort of cerebral uh, mind and go straight into how they're feeling in their body, they have control, they can move it, they can flush it out, they can make it bigger, they can make it smaller. And it is, it's just incredible, the power of the subconscious mind. And I know you were, you were talking, you're clearly science-led, and um, I'm probably more on the sort of the, the woo-woo scale, but I do love a bit of science though. And I wondered what you, how much of the psychology bridges together with what I would call this intuitive gut feeling. And especially if you're working in the corporate world and you are doing what, you know, you say you're working with huge corporations and and very successful people and they're constantly in their heads, but, you know, behind the scenes, the confidence isn't there. They don't want to speak out or maybe their self-belief isn't there. How much is connected to really going within and trusting our gut and our intuition and, and how many I guess, of your successful clients go back to that feeling of what's going on in their body? What can they feel in their in their bodies? Yeah, I mean, we would talk about that all the time because I think it's, you know, you've got your what's going on in your head. You've got what's going on in your body. So you've got, and you've got your behavior and you've got your emotions. So you've got the physical, you've got the cognitive, you've got the behavioral, and then you've got the emotional. And I would always talk about it in those terms, you know, just like, again I think all of this stuff is is they're all just branches of the same tree aren't they because it's the tree that works so I think tapping is really really interesting and I absolutely buy into the idea of for example like the butterfly tap I think all of these techniques are, are just different ways to access the same responses all of these techniques are are interesting because they're I think they're all really aiming at the same thing we just want to feel confident we want to be able to feel relaxed we want to be able to understand where we're going and what we want to do and in terms of you know intuition you know again I feel like a bit like confidence intuition could be lots of different things but you know if what we're talking about is 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 feeling comfortable and happy and feeling like you're being true to yourself then all of these things are going to are going to lead you to that place where you're able to just I don't know go with the flow a bit more. So I just wanted to interrupt today's episode to tell you about a new event that's happening on the 20th of July. And if you're listening to this Ambitious Mum episode, you're most likely to be a mum. And as a parent, I'm sure you can resonate with the feelings of helplessness if you do have a child that suffers from anxiety. Whether they are four or 14, it feels awful to witness what they're going through, especially if you are prone to anxiety yourself and you know how they feel. And as a mum of four kids, aged between six and nearly 16, I have one especially who is quite emotional and she shares her anxious thoughts with me. And I really do recognise them well. I was a very similar child and also as a grown-up until not that long ago. My anxiety was actually one of the main reasons why I chose to retrain as a wellbeing coach and then in emotional freedom technique, which is also known as EFT or tapping. You might have heard me talk about that. And I now feel so much more confident in my tools to combat my own anxiety as well as for others. 
And this has been a massive gift in my life and I really want to share this with you. So during this workshop, which is on the 20th of July, I'll be teaching you as adults to empower your kids with new techniques such as the tapping, maybe trying effective breathing exercises, learning which essential oils to use, adopting certain yoga positions before bedtime and other really easy and practical lifestyle interventions to help bring in more calm and more balance in our daily lives and obviously to reduce the stress and anxiety that goes with that. So for all the details, head to my website, which is coachingbykate.me.uk or this episode show notes or go to my Instagram bio, which is also coachingbykate and that will have the link to buy tickets. I've tried to make this workshop as accessible as possible, especially as the summer holidays are approaching at the price of £28.50, as I believe that every parent really does deserve to have these concepts in their parenting toolkit. You'll have a lifetime access to the workshop and I'll provide a worksheet which you can print off and keep. Really hope to see you there. And now back to this week's episode. I wanted to ask you about hypnosis because you mentioned that you do this with some of your private clients. I'm sure you don't do a Paul McKenna and do like a big hypnotherapy no. session with all the the, cor- the corporates. But where, where, I mean, I've always have been fascinated by hypnosis because I've never, first of all, I've never had it done. And I did some NLP training and I know sort of, you know, if you go deeper, there's this sort of hypnotherapy with that. But how, why would someone come to you for hypnosis and what, could they change through the hypnosis? So there, the, so there are two approaches to him. I mean, they're really like doing the same thing, but there's two kind of beliefs around hypnosis. Uh, one is that it's tapping into your subconscious mind and it's reprogramming your subconscious mind to think about things differently. I'm not aware of of evidence for that. I would think that would be difficult to prove anyway. The approach that I take is is again an evidence based approach, um, like in my geeky way. Um, <laughs> and you know there is quite a lot of academic research into hypnosis as a real thing that works. Um, and there's even evidence saying that hypnosis in conjunction with CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, actually works better than just CBT on its own. And what you'll notice, and CBT is the most kind of evidence based proven to work therapy out there and actually what you'll notice is if you look at CBT then there actually are quite a lot of interventions that are recommended in traditional CBT that are very very close to hypnosis and hypnosis in the sense that I would think about it which is when you are in a state where your imagination is activated but you're quite relaxed then um, you become more suggestible than usual so if I spent a whole hour with you telling you you're amazing you're beautiful you're confident you can do anything and I just kept telling you that for an hour you would leave that session feeling a little bit better about yourself you just would because we're all a bit suggestible that's why after you have a coffee with a lovely friend and a lovely friend who tells you lots of nice stuff about yourself you feel a bit better it's about the connection but it's also about the suggestibility if you are very relaxed but very focused on on the on an idea which in the case of hypnosis would be my voice um, then you are going to be a lot more suggestible and therefore you will take on board these things that I'm telling you much more but you'll also be able to use your imagination in a way that is really helpful because it's suggestible so for example if you find meetings really anxiety inducing and you've learned some techniques to help you to feel less anxious in meetings, you could go into hypnosis, 
i.e. just become relaxed, but continue to be very focused on what I'm telling you to do. And you could practice imagining being in that meeting and practice some of these techniques, practice physical relaxation, practice allowing your thoughts to go, practice, for example, physical stance that makes you feel more confident, you can practice it. And when you practice it a few times, you'll come out of it and your brain will feel as if it has happened in real life because it's very suggestible because it's relaxed and focused. So all it is is really just imagination therapy. Um, and I do use it on corporate clients, but I um, just don't call it hypnosis. I'll say, oh, let's, <laughs> just try so- let's just try something with your eyes closed or, you know, let's try something in your imagination. So it's, it's basically like a glorified visualisation, but um, yeah. yeah. So because that's something I've been using more recently is, is visualisation <laughs> and how powerful that actually can be and I've heard um, lots of sportsmen talk about this and and how they've won Olympic races and there's a famous tennis player I can't is it I can't remember his name but I heard him in an interview and he said that he visualized winning Wimbledon way before he did it and so you can see now that there's a huge movement towards um, using a lot of um, psychology and psychotherapy in in whether it's um, corporate um, life in in sports why shouldn't we be using this in day-to-day life, you know, waking up in the morning? And, and they have been trying to do this with, with breathing and visualisation and some tap, tapping techniques of visualising how I want my day to be. And so if we're sort of breaking it down to, um, you know, who would be listening to this now, you know, there's going to be like working mums who have got hectic lives with their kids and, you know, wanting a more balanced life. Can this type of visualisation or maybe a bit of self-hypnosis help them have... Um, calmer and um, more successful days you know where they're not shouting and screaming and there's no anxiety how can they do that yeah so I mean it is probably a bit more than just a visualization because there is a way that you induce hypnosis which is okay. it's not just a relaxation so it's help it's helping you to be very relaxed but still quite alert because what you don't want in hypnosis is for someone to fall asleep um, but you do want them to be more relaxed then. So it's not just close my eyes and start imagining how I'm going to be when I'm, you know, really on top of everything. It's it's a bit more than that. But it's really, really easy to learn. And people always ask, number one, are you going to make me cluck like a chicken or can you control my mind? <laughs> no, that's not a thing. Stage hypnotists have us completely fooled. It is not a thing. Suggestibility or hypnotizability uh, follows a normal distribution. So some, most people are quite hypnotizable some people are not very and they need to practice quite a lot there's nobody who's not at all um but but they have to practice a lot to become more hypnotizable and some people just are extremely suggestible or hypnotizable already so stage hypnotists will be very good at working out who's very suggestible the people who go on the stage really want it to work like if you're you don't go on the stage wanting it not to work and if you do you'll notice they'll have 10 people up and they'll say right tap your head or something and if you don't tap your head you leave the stage right that all the people who are skeptics are gone they also normally have stooges and because you see somebody else doing it you think oh I'd better do it as well subconsciously so um so so it's not you can't control anyone uh you only do what you want to do in hypnosis and and you know partly it works because we want it to work right like all of these things if you went into a therapy session over and over again saying I'm not going to do any of these things I do not (laughs) want this to work it wouldn't work um so so you so so by virtue of that, we know that you're doing it to yourself. So you may be following my instructions, but you're following my instructions because you choose to follow my instructions. And each time you follow my instructions, you will get better and better at doing it. And therefore it will become more and more effective. If that's the case, then it's all self-hypnosis, right? You're just listening to 
my voice. So the way that I would do it with clients is I would do it in a session and then I will record it and they will listen to it every day at home to the recording. And then what we'll progress to is, okay, well, can you try that without the recording? Okay, bang, you've done self-hypnosis. You're now like a self-hypnotist. You know how to take yourself into it and you can now use that in really creative ways. So it might be visualizing how you want your day to go. It might be practicing a situation that you're really worried about over and over again while staying really relaxed. It could be imagining you're at the top of the Eiffel Tower and you know, you're actually really scared of heights, but you're not scared when you're up there. And actually that's why it's so good for phobias because you can practice. So yeah, so I think I think it is a thing that's worth learning. There aren't any good books about it as far there as aren't. I'm no, no, you say, about, okay. no. And I actually that was the book I first wanted to write, but such a stigma around hypnosis, particularly with my corporate clients. And and so that's why I tend to talk about it as a, one of the tools that I use rather than the tool. Although, you know, maybe it's like my third book. Um, but but generally I think if you practice any kind of mindfulness, any kind of visualization, um, close your eyes, relax your body, perhaps do, you know, the, the, a, a stage relaxation where you relax different parts of your body, feel waves of relaxation go over you. Um, and then with hypnosis, what we do is we imagine kind of going down, like maybe down some steps, count yourself down some steps, or imagine the sun setting and you're watching the sun setting. Take yourself to a state where you're very relaxed. And then just see what you can do and play. You know, again, it's all part of this drive to be flexible, playful, curious. Um, and you could you could approach this in the same way. It's it's all going to help you to just be a little bit more a bit more flexible and a bit kinder to yourself. It's it's amazing, isn't it? The power of our mind that we have at our disposal, and and you know we can go through life without recognizing how much power that we do have to change you know our thoughts patterns beliefs and I think when you said about um you know hypnosis our beliefs are so ingrained in us you know we've probably had these same beliefs from when we were little kids and knowing that there are ways out and and I know that I have been doing this doing a lot of work around kind of changing certain beliefs that I have to remove I guess the blocks um and and the feeling stuck that I have felt and um and I feel like I'm definitely making progress but I'm wondering if hypnotherapy also might be something I've not explored and you know I'm so open to all these different things and it's just so nice and and empowering to know that we are able to change you know you don't have to be in this stuck mindset and I've talked about it before but with you know neuroplasticity like our brain does want to change and grow and and expand and remold itself we are here to to make the best of ourselves and we are here to you know work to our strengths and I think when we know this and we know there are tools available I think life suddenly just gets a little bit easier and you stop feeling like you're up against it it's like a, a like a, a war almost like you versus the world you versus life and then we see again you know if you want to go into you can go into the scientific side of manifestation but also on the on sort of the more of the spiritual side but there's a lot of scientific evidence that our thoughts do lead to 
different actions and, and, and you know, our emotions um, or thoughts lead to emotions, which lead to um, different actions. And there are lots of ways that we can tweak this. And it's not going to be an overnight job, is it? But there are lots of little hacks. And, um, and I'm just wondering if you have anything on your website or anything that any of the listeners might be able to download. Have you got any anything, any good resources that they can head to? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, I share quite a lot of techniques on my Instagram, which is just at Vanella Fine. On my website, if you go to uh, freebies page, I think it's called, just vanella.com slash, I think it's freebies. Just go to vanella.com to find it. It's not very much on there. Um, Then I've got a couple of free resources on there, which I'm adding to all the time. I only sold my last business a year ago. So, um, you know, and I had low, that was the step up club and I sold that to my business partner. And, um, so I'm kind of rebuilding my bank of resources, but there is something about, there's a kind of a, um, a little pack on there, which you can download for free around unhelpful thoughts and how to manage your unhelpful thoughts. And there's also a pack on there, which, which people who are interested in the kind of idea of the, the kind of physical relaxation, there's a little pack on there about calm. And there's, as part of that pack, a recording that I've done of a guided relaxation and when I'm teaching people I really think about it as teaching people hypnosis rather than doing hypnosis on people um when I'm teaching people hypnosis um the first thing that we would do would be the relaxation learn to relax first then we can add in the the imagination bits Um, and so you can download a recording of that and practice that and that will really help you um you know if you are feeling a bit stressed a bit anxious a bit hard on yourself just learning to physically relax will you will be amazed by what a difference it will make. Well, that sounds really helpful. So I'll make sure that all goes in the show notes and so people can access that. And I think, I mean, I'm going to go and do that for sure. So thank you for that. And yeah, I just want to say thank you so much. It's been so interesting and and you've really inspired me to have a look into hypnosis and, and read more about it because I think it probably feeds into a lot of the stuff that I do, but it's just something that I've not really explored before. So I might be might be calling you for a session. <laughs> it's uh you know, I it really I did it after I sold my business, the course in hypnosis. So I haven't been doing hypnosis as long as you know, I've been coaching for really for a long time. But it really and I'd done some some certificates in CBT and various other therapies, but uh the hypnosis really was game changing in my practice. It's allowed me to treat people much quicker than I ever did before. Um, and you know, six to eight sessions, even for people who really are struggling um with confidence, with social anxiety with that type of issue with stress can totally change everything because it works so quickly amazing okay thank you thank you so much Fenella it's been a delight talking to you and um, hopefully we'll connect very soon yeah thanks so much so that's this week's episode done I really hope you've enjoyed it and it's helped you in some small way I listen to loads of podcasts and have learned so much along my journey and now know I'm a real auditory learner. And if you're the same and you're often inspired by listening to thought-provoking conversations, please don't underestimate the power in sharing it to ensure other people can also be inspired. Not only does this help your friends, but it also lets the host know how beneficial the episode has been to them. It's such a quick thing to recommend a podcast on your social media but it means the world to us and helps more like-minded people join in the conversation. So simply screenshot your phone and share the image of this podcast by text or on your social media to someone you think who needs to hear it. 
And the power of a recommendation really does work and creates a ripple effect for all those involved. Also, I've got a Facebook group called the Ambitious Mums Wellbeing and Lifestyle Chat. And my aim is to create a safe space to discuss any of the topics that have been mentioned in the episodes moving forwards. I'd really love to see you there. Thank you so much for listening and see you back here for the next episode. Thank you.